everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody, to another edition of Poker Action Line, day following the presidential election. And uh, maybe a lot of people were wondering what we thought, but we'll kind of stay away from that. I mean, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are thrilled that Donald Trump was uh, elected the president of the United States. And, uh, and just I'm not. about as many, almost as many, <laughs> almost as many that are disappointed. Right. I'm not. Uh, I guess to, to, just to say real briefly, um, I'm sad today, I'm upset, but most of all, I'm very scared. Yeah, well, listen, this country will survive. Trust me, this country will survive. Let's just, let's just hope he doesn't yeah. uh, send us into war there with, with, with some of those uh, commercial speeches that he was uh, yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Well, as President Obama said uh, from uh, the White House today, um, the, I told everybody that the sun would still come up no matter what happened, and it did come up this morning. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we'll hope. People do come back to the center, and, uh, you know, the only thing is uh, the temperament and the uh, uh, the decision-making uh, can be a little bit skewed there, and I'm a little bit worried that uh, there could be problems, but we'll see what happens. Well, Dave, the only thing we can all hope and pray for is that he surrounds himself with good people. Yeah, people exactly. Who, who, no, exactly. People who don't go off the off off like and, he does. You and know. you know, it's not like uh, George W. Bush. He's not uh, you know a huge right winger. I think he took on the conservative mantle to get elected, and a lot of people said that he was really a closet uh, closet uh, liberal. Not a closet liberal, but a closet Democrat. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. That may not be a bad thing then. Yeah, it that's true. May not true. be a bad thing, you know, uh, while 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 pretending to be Republican, having some Democrat. Listen, I prefer people who are in the middle of the road anyway. So well, the only thing I can think of is that uh, maybe one of the major reasons that he he ran for president was thinking I'm not going to win, but this could really up my profile and really help me make some money down the road. And now he's sitting there going. I freaking won. Yeah. <laughs> There's more than one person doing that today, I'm sure, from his campaign. Exactly. Well, I don't want to get into politics. I want to talk poker. But I did want to touch on uh, the presidential election aspect of effect on poker. We know that Donald Trump has owned casinos for many years, so obviously he's not morally against gambling. Uh, you know, if he had a piece of the pie in online gambling uh, and had his shot at that in the past, I'm sure that he would have jumped on that as Without well. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So what happens now? Now, we know Mike Pence it's has been really very anti-online uh, gambling and has taken that position. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump also hired Andy Beal as a consultant. We know that Andy, we talked a little bit about that uh, when we were and talking Andy about Beale Todd Brunson. Andy Beal was the, uh, the millionaire that... Uh, that played those games. So he's obviously a huge poker player. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm not thrilled well, with, with Obama. <clears throat> I, I was happy with the ruling about the Wire Act, you know, that, that came out under Obama. But I don't think he uh, stuck his neck out to, uh, to protect poker players with uh, pushing the proper legislation. Well, let me tell you something, Dave. I, I, I'm hoping that Trump, you know, presidency is, is going to be a surprise and a good surprise for poker, for online poker players. Because of, you know, everything that he has done in the past, as you said, owning so many casinos and everything else, 
Um, again, I don't know how Donald Trump obviously doesn't seem like the type of guy whose arm is going to be twisted one no. way or the no, other by any political by any political you know group or you know interest groups out there that whether they want it or don't. You know, I, I, I hopefully he'll gauge the the general public and say, hey, you know, this is something that the masses want. You know, his election was about bringing, you know, changing the political system and, you know, having the people having a voice. Well, you know, if poker players have a voice in this, let's hope he hears it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a few things to talk about tonight. Uh, obviously, we're looking ahead to some big tournaments here in South Florida. Uh, tomorrow kicks off the uh, series up at the Palm Beach Kennel Club with uh, 12 rings in 12 days for the uh, WSOP circuit, so looking forward to that. Uh, I'm away for a game this weekend, so I won't be able to head up this week, but maybe sometime next week, and, of course, definitely for the main event. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I definitely want to check that out. They do such a great job with all those tournaments up there. Yeah. We have friends there. Unfortunately uh, for me now, I'm going to be <laughs> You'll be busy. Weekends, weekends are, I don't, I'm not going to know what a weekend is anymore now. That's probably true. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have our friends up there, Noah Carbone and, and Josh Alderson, who has been on the show. Maybe we'll get Josh on next week, talk about the main event. Also, uh, Will Herrera's uh, handling tournaments up there, and uh, Tim Wright, uh, a lot of great guys, do a fine job. They bring in people from the WSOB to help run those events, and it's top-notch. And they got, uh, they have a high-roller poker room. They have plenty of tournaments at night. It's not just 12 tournaments. Uh, there's all kinds of satellites in the evening. There's other uh, cash games, now, and it's great stuff. We we could tell people that room is jumping from the from probably a few days before the start of it from the satellites. You know they they you know Noah has, if not the number one room in the state, it, it's been number one many many years. Um, you know he's always in the top two or three. Yeah. And during those 12 days of the WSOP circuit event, it is the number one room in the state. And, you know, bar none. I mean they. They put on a great show there. They handle it. We've never really even heard of, you know, any complaints. I think the only time was when they had that millionaire maker for 500. You know, they, they didn't anticipate the, the, the amount oh, of people. Can you imagine? That's like four years ago now. Yeah. Have you heard, I don't recall hearing any problems, any major problems, let's say, uh, in any of their last events in the last couple no. of years, it's 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 been run smoothly because of the people that you just mentioned that are running that you know running the show there. They've they've got true professionals running there, and like you said, it's an exciting place to be. I mean, it, it that you know when you see the bottom and the top, both of them packed, and you know it, you not, get that not, little not to feel. mention. Here comes Rusty. <laughs> yeah, they have Rusty up there. We got Speedy down here in Miami. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean it's it is a fun place to be. It's 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 I don't know how to explain it, but similar to what Chris Bullock once said, you know, when you when you go into these rooms and you see so many people, you know, the Hard Rock's the only one that could probably come close to to, to comparing to that, you know, and, and getting that feel and that sense of excitement in the room, you know, and they have the bad beat jackpot. They, they got so many different things that will get your juices flowing over there, Dave. And, and, of course, all of our big players from South Florida. You mentioned Chris Bolick, who has obviously done well there in the past. Uh, you know, Red Zach, uh, Redlocks. Uh, we'll be playing, I'm sure. Uh, Stacy Madison plays up there uh, for the for the circuit events. Corey Zeidman. People associated with the show, it's always fun to see them. And uh, maybe I'll step in and play one tournament, too. Who knows? There you go. There we go. See what happens. Anyway, that all starts tomorrow on the 10th, the uh, main event uh, later in the series. 
and uh, we'll be checking that out as well. So uh, I think the the first day of the uh, <coughs> excuse me the first day of the uh, main event is uh, I believe the 18th of November. So we'll, we'll we'll play that as well. Maybe the 17th. Well, uh, I really forgot to look that up again. Anyway, um, that's coming up. Also, the Seminole Hard Rock hosting the Rock and Roll Poker Open. That starts on November 16th, so that's just around the corner. Uh, I was over at the Isle checking out their uh, main event for the Isle Open uh, last week, and uh, that was, of course, won by Edward Novak, Jr., and uh, Sam Panzica, who won their summer tournament, the Florida State uh, Poker Championship, finished fourth, so another great showing by him. But they announced some new tournaments there at the Isle that I did want to men- mention called the Isle Beast. And that starts uh, December 5th uh, with a $150 No Limit Hold'em event. Uh, they, in recent years, and you know this, Joe, have catered a little bit to the smaller player, which is which is nice. Of course, their big tournaments are still 1500 Right. Uh, so, you know, that's not really affordable for the... Uh, the lower rung player, but they have this tournaments in December, right before Christmas. Uh, the fifth and the twelfth will be a 150 and a 130. They will have uh, Sunday, December 18th. They'll have a couple of tournaments, and then they will have a uh, one that lasts several opening sessions between the 14th and the 18th. So uh, that's also a 130 buy-in. So uh, if you're looking for some special events, the 130 buy-in, uh, 14th through the 18th event is a 75000 guarantee. So some pretty nice tournaments that will uh, go throughout the month of December, so we're looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's nonstop, you know. Uh, it, it seems like there isn't a real, a re- really a rest period at all, Dave. Not for us. That's no. <laughs> Always something to talk about in this great game. Uh, so that's uh, the stuff down here. If you're looking ahead to uh, World Series of Poker, uh, action. Uh, they had a replay of the final table. Uh, let's see, Monday night. So I, I I will check out some of that. I t-voted and I have a chance to watch that straight through, which I didn't in the past. Uh, if you're looking at the WPT, you know we know that uh, the big tournament here in the United States. The next one is the Five Diamond Classic at the Bellagio. Uh, Right around Thanksgiving, that series starts, but the main event starts on December 5th. Before <coughs> then, they'll be playing in Montreal. Uh, that starts this Friday, Montreal's main event. And uh, there'll be one in the Caribbean in uh, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. That will be November 19th. So still a couple of big events. They'll be playing over in Europe. They just finished up uh, at uh, Party Poker UK, Dust Till Dawn at Nottingham. And they will have a big event in the Czech Republic at in Prague at the King's Casino. And that one's uh, the first week in December. So... Always something going on. Always something to do. And, and uh, I'd like to we'll let, say you, let you know what happens. Congratulations to the PPC people who just finished their world championship. In I didn't Cuba see who won also. that. Do we know who won it? Yes, we do. I got it over here. And I'm scrolling through it now, Dave. And one of the nicest people I've ever met. I first met him in Iowa at Council Bluff in Iowa. Went to Kansas City. Him and his lovely lady, Julie. I'd like to congratulate Whit Brayton. Uh, for winning event number three down oh, there. Oh, your buddies won <clears> then. Okay. He won it down there. It wasn't the main event, but... Um, he listens to the show every week. Uh, yes, sir. So I'm, I can't wait to, to, you know, get a hold of him because I had not been able to follow it with my hectic schedule. Brayton is his first name? No, Whit- Whitney. But as he told me, 60-something years old, great, great, great mustache that he has. And he goes... 
you know, before Whitney Houston, Whitney used to be a man's name because <laughs> I'm the third. I'm Whitney the third. So, uh, yeah, and they Well, congratulations, they Whitney. Great, great job. Stephen Deutsch wins the championship of 130, for $133,687 okay. plus a $5,000. They'll be him again. As I was scrolling through some of the events, uh, excuse me? How many players? How many players in this entry here? Hold on one second because I am trying to finish, catch this up real quick here. And the main event entry, uh, how come they don't have this listed right here? But, um, I want to think over a couple hundred, right? I would imagine, oh, easily, easily. Um, they um, listen. They were giving a half a million dollar guarantee. Okay. You know the buy-in I believe was twenty four hundred dollars uh, was the buy-in into this tournament, and um, I'm trying to find it for you, Dave. I apologize that I don't have that number right in front of me here, but I know that um, Jim Bedell finished second for ninety thousand and a five thousand dollar Aruba package. I had seen their winner from two years ago, Aristoteles Netos Neto, from right. uh, Foxwoods area. He won it. I think he's from the Boston area, but won a satellite. And he finished uh, in one of their other tournaments around third or fourth. So uh, this was, you know, tremendous, tremendous outpour here. But I guess maybe after the break, I'll get the exact. Yeah, we'll look it up event. and we'll pass that along a little bit later. But uh, the, com- the culmination of their year and. Uh, uh, they are probably resting up over this week. They just got back, I'm sure, over the weekend. They right? got back. It ended on the 7th. I thought it was ending on the 8th, but they, I thought they had all gotten Summer back home today. The 7th was Sunday, yeah. You know? So they just so. came back. Uh, Dave Berman, uh, I know from the aisle, went down there to help run it again Mike's, this year. Mike Smith is always their tournament director. He played, I think, in the main event. Did he I, play I this I, year? I think oh, I, good I think for I him. Good for him because I know that usually he's, you know, He's the tournament director. He's a, a, I, I learned a lot just working on one week with that man. I did look at the chip counts for day two, and I forgot that it was over. So I, I you know, with the election and, and traveling to Boise, I didn't really catch uh, the final results. So I'm glad you uh, checked that out. But we'll we'll get those for you, and we'll pass those along uh, shortly. And you know that they're also going to have at the vet uh, starting. I believe it's the last day of November, November 30th. Uh, all the winners. All the all the PPC main like, event champions, like a tournament, of they're champions? gonna have a champ, yeah, a tournament Beautiful. of champions down there at Maryland Live, so that's gonna be very very interesting to watch. So um, you know, congratulations to Brian and Sandy over there for always throw, do a great time. having another great year. It's just getting bigger for these guys, and I wish them nothing but the best. And hopefully next year it'll have four or five hundred people in that main event. Would be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, as I mentioned, starts on the 16th. That's uh, opening event is a 360 buy-in with a million guarantees. So that's going to be a huge tournament with a lot of people giving it, getting into town for that. So we'll be checking that out. Uh, the main event uh, starts later, uh, I believe, about the 26th, if I'm not mistaken, $3,500 buy-in and a $2 million guarantee. So plenty of stuff on the line. Uh, as far oh the 25th is actually the first opening day on that one. So uh, again, we'll check all the stuff out here in South Florida. Other news uh, coming out of the Seminole Hard Rock was that uh, there was a ruling today uh, in the state of Florida. Of course, the state was trying to uh, since the compact ran out about uh, last July, they uh, were trying to keep the Seminoles from uh, operating their table games, their blackjack and their other things. Uh, but U.S. District Judge Robert Hinkle today ruled in favor of the Seminole tribe in that dispute, which means that they can keep their tables. In fact, they can 
keep the tables, uh, blackjack tables, for another 14 years. But now uh, that's going to hamper their their any any agreement going forward. Well, if they've I, been given that okay. You know, I think I think that part of the compact when they renegotiate this, they want craps and they want a few other things. So they'll proceed with that. State of Florida really has dragged their feet as far as getting that uh, settled. So this kind of puts the onus now on the state to do something. Yeah, and listen, for someone who's been involved with poker since day one in this state, uh, back in 92, you know, the state never can seem to get their act together, you know, concerning the Indians, concerning paramutuals. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand how 20-plus years later we're, we're still doing this. Like you said, they're dragging their feet. They're, they're the ones who create these problems. I, I don't understand it. The, at least the people in South Florida have spoken as to what they want. And I think throughout the state, you know, it's, it's, it's time they get moving and, and get something that works well, not only for the Indians so they can get that money, but works well within the paramutual industry, these racinos that we have here in Broward and Dade and other places throughout the state that are looking to get the, those, you know, those machines. Right. Uh, well, that, that's the big question now. When they do proceed and try to uh, put together another compact, uh, will the paramutuals try to decouple? Will they try to, uh, especially the dog tracks, quit dog racing? Uh, because right now it's still a requirement to operate the slots. Um, they actually had worked that in, not for high lie and not for uh, horse racing, but for dog racing, uh, they were they were working that out. But of course, uh, the lawmakers in Tallahassee did not approve it because of the uh, other gambling stuff that was involved, as far as a destination casino now, and that sort of thing. But big day, if you you know if you watch where these racinos have been throughout the country, you know, decoupling. Is the ultimate <laughs> is is what eventually happens. No, it will happen because you can't survive. You could survive, but it's so much cost. I mean, we, you know, it's a damn shame as both of us have uh, high lie in our blood and and in our upbringings in the in the paramutual business. But you know, it's it's a sport that's dying quickly. Yeah, no question. And and you know, I don't know. I, decoupling is the way it's gone throughout the whole country, Dave. And Eventually, I can't see how it's not going to eventually happen here. No, it will. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, opposition to Greyhound Racing from uh, uh, animal rights people, from, uh, uh, well, obviously, a lot of people who are just opposed to gambling on moral grounds do not right. want to see it. So, uh, well, if they don't want to see it, they don't have to show up. No one's dragging them from their house to go to the, to the casino or to the paramutual. But unfortunately, those places that we went to for years as our only source of gambling and a lot of fun there, a lot of great nights at uh, all those sports and great afternoons at the horse track, yeah. uh, you I, know, that stuff's disappearing. I bet you didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. Maybe you did. But I was in shock when it happened. Right around the early 2000s, remember there was a scenario where they had to lower the percentage that the house that the state was going to get right. from paramutuals. Do you know what it was mm -mm. prior to that? Well. Regardless of the payout, what it was in the pool, 25, it was 25% went straight to the state yeah. of every dollar bet. Okay, Then they worked out the percentages on that. Being that there was nothing else, there was no 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 other game in town, so to speak. You know, they didn't have an issue with that. And once the lottery came into the state, you're and, talking about takeout <clears> from betting, for, for, right? For, well, it, no, all that. Not, not the takeout that they take. They keep 25 percent of the total profit that was made. Okay. I mean, it was a, a ridiculous number uh, that they were going through, 
And, you know, when it was finally explained to me, I go, how the hell are you guys able to stay open? They go, we can't. We can't. You know, at a time when we were the only game in town, they didn't care. They were they were making money, money hand over fist, as they say. And, you know, all of a sudden, once they got competitions, once that, that big gambling pie was split up into about 12 different slices, you know, and, and the state didn't change, much like the state was doing, taking out 50% of the of the profits from slot machines when they first came here when Jeb Bush was was our governor because he didn't want it so he set such a ridiculous rate that the the original owners uh, the the guy who owned Dania and sold it to right. the, the Borgata Corporation you know these guys once they saw the numbers said oh we're, the, it's going to take us twenty years to get our money back and they eventually had to drop that down right so the state has done everything in their power to try to not let gambling expand or, or or even get started for that matter. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a tough situation, and uh, you know, I don't think that the state of Florida has looked out for uh, the interests of uh, not not only just gambling fans, but the gambling interests and everything. So uh, somehow they'll be forced into finally making a compact, and and that will get done uh, before too long. And we can always uh, hope that that will increase uh, some of the poker tournaments. I don't know how it could get much more exciting over there at Seminole Hard Rock. but uh, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I, I can't imagine anything getting more exciting either. Well, we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, let's take our first break on the program. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line. Of course, we always let you know that you could find us on the uh, Hold'em Radio Network with a nice uh, spot on the weekend nights in uh, prime time. And uh, check that out. You'll find what their latest schedule is. But uh, if you want to get the show on your uh, mobile device, you can always download it from iTunes for free. You can get it on the PokerFuse podcast page. You can go to Stitcher.com. Stitcher Radio has a, is a podcast service, and we always carry it on there. Or you can just go to our website at PokerActionLine.com, and all the previous shows are connected there on Podbean for, uh, for your perusal. And uh, the write-ups about each show, you can find a guest that you want to hear from. But a lot of great stuff over the last couple, oh, last six years, actually. But uh, last year or so, some very interesting stuff this summer, including great show with Stacy Madison that we had. Corey Zeidman filled in one show, and we had a had a good time. Mark so, Mark stepped in for me once one Mark weekend. Perlman Mark Perlman was on. Perlman. Yeah, we've had some great stuff. But uh, check it out. Uh, but we do want to tell you about Gulfstream Park as we head to break. Gulfstream uh, had a big... Uh, Set up this weekend, a lot of fun over there, <clears throat> and uh, we look forward to uh, getting over there for the racing championship racing season, which starts on December 3rd. They are starting to uh, put that together now, but we check out the poker room, which is located in the Finish Line Casino on the first floor in the back uh, part of that uh, casino, and it has 20 tables, and of course, besides the cash games that uh, go on throughout the day, open until 4 a.m. in the morning, and then... 24 hours a day on the weekends, but uh, plenty of hours to uh, whenever it fit, fits into your schedule to go there and play poker with the cash games. They have nightly tournaments at 7 o'clock. They also have a great loyalty program where you can earn uh, Gulfstream swag or uh, free play on the slot machines or uh, food and beverage items by simply playing there on a regular basis, having your card inserted in the Bravo system, and uh, rap, racking up some points and a uh, chance to earn some uh, Rake back, I guess you would call it, uh, for the world of poker. So great stuff. Check it out. Give them a call over there at 
954-457-6336. It's located at 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. Tell them that Big Dave and Joe sent you over. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. I always wanted to be a fireman, a pilot, a teacher. But the rising cost of college was a big reality check. That's why I joined the National Guard. The Guard gives me money for college. So I can go to school full-time and fly part-time. My unit helps out after a natural disaster hits, so I get to help people just like I always wanted. There's no bigger rush than being a firefighter in the Guard. Than flying a Blackhawk. Than leading my squad. Thanks to the Guard, I'm becoming who I always wanted to be. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask us how much you'll receive towards your college expenses. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here. Another edition of Poker Action Line. And uh, uh, Did you get a chance to see much of the final table? of the? Of no, the, like uh, I mentioned, I saw it, you know, and, and to be honest with you, if it had been like an hour, hour and a half heads up, I probably would have watched it on demand. But once I, you know, like I said, while working that Sunday night, we I left the casino at about 2.30, quarter to 3 in the morning, and they were still playing. That was our time. They wound up finishing at about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, Vegas time. So that means they played an additional three hours. I had already been watching hands here and there. Right. I, I did not feel like still hanging around and watching seven hours of, of, of heads-up play, to be honest with you, especially knowing the results. One of the guys that I thought would uh, make a big challenge was Griffin Benger, uh, who was chip leader toward the end and then came into the tournament uh, ended up getting knocked out in seventh place. He won only one hand. Uh, it was a hand number 59 of the night. He okay. went ne- nearly 60 hands before he finally finally won a pot. But he didn't. He played very uh, uh, very non-aggressively, very uh, very passively. He he played only 12% of the 68 hands that he was dealt. That's uh, So he was surprising. in for seven to eight hands. Right. 
Out of 68. That's kind of surprising. Out of 68, 12%, yeah, about eight hands. Unless he was just completely card dead and was just kind of could've trying been, to wait it out. Could have been that, you know. Sometimes you get a – I don't think he'd be afraid to pull the trigger if he had hands, but I guess position and how the, everybody else was playing without having seen it stopped him from getting involved in more pots. Uh, one of the guys who was uh, really playing well and that it had a chip lead before uh, – uh, getting crippled and then finally getting knocked out in fifth place was uh, Wojtek Ruzicka. Uh He played 16 pots in the in the 52 hand stretch of seven and eight handed play. Won 14 of them, so really moved himself way up the the uh, ranks. Um, so that's a number that you look at there. Um, of course, what did he run into though? Because yeah, he had to have I, I looked at it last a lot week. of chips. I, I couldn't tell you right off the top uh-huh. of my head though. Uh, Michael Ruan finished in fourth place. He played 155 hands and uh, played put uh, chips in the pot only 21% of the time. Uh, Ruan also uh, won most of the pots that he played, uh, as opposed to Benger. Uh, he had the best showdown ratio of the final table, turning over the best hands seven times. And only once at showdown did he have the worst of it. Uh, Cliff Josephy finished in third place. Um, really was the consensus favorite, favorite as the chip leader. Um, the very first hand of the night, this was something that kind of shocked me. The f- sat down, the first hand, all of a sudden, uh, Josephy and Quee uh, Win are in a uh, hand and win uh, uh, four bets in the first hand of the night. <laughs> That's a little bit shocking, I would say. Well, maybe he wanted to establish that aggressive uh, style that he maintained throughout uh, the whole tournament. I mean, towards, throughout the whole final table that won him the tournament. He had the highest uh, pre-flop raise percentage, 25%. Uh, his VPIP, uh, voluntary putting in chips into the pot, was 35%, second only to win. And ended up getting cooler by uh, Gordon Veo to lose most of his stack. He, uh, he got off to, to a great start as well, although he lost that hand. When he folded to uh, win, he won four of the other five hands, first five hands. Okay. So got off to a great start. Um, slow and steady was uh, the pace for Gordon Veo. Uh, he won his first pot on hand number 26. He had only played one pot prior to that point. And uh, then he got things going. So he uh, was a classic mixing it up. Um, it was uh, a great approach for him. That might have been his feel-out period, Dave, like a boxer, you know, getting out there, seeing what his opponents were going to do, and, and then adjusting adjusting accordingly. He had the chip lead entering, entering heads of play. Uh, before that, he won uh, 28 pots, and Kui uh, Win won 50 pots. So uh, kind of a back-and-forth thing with the, the, the V-pip is... Uh, so a percentage that people look at, uh, win was 37%, Josephy 35%, all the way down to uh, Bencher, who we mentioned was just 12%. Uh, so really an interesting tournament. I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching it straight through the edited version. I mean, obviously, you're not going to sit there. Seven and a half hours. You're not going to watch 364 hands uh, like it was uh, televised over the course of the three nights. But uh, uh, certainly... Uh, have they put the edited yeah. version they out did. there They did. It aired Monday night. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why, because what I was seeing was to watch so many hours of that, and I said, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like the I like the edited version better, too, I think. Uh, not being the student of the game that uh, a lot of people are out there where they can 
base their view on everything that happens. I, I kind of need it spoon-fed to me in smaller, <laughs> do, smaller doses. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Uh, there was one other thing we had mentioned before, Joe, and that was a story that was in Card Player a few weeks ago, actually back in September. And this, uh, they were talking about a, a situation in the city of Portland uh, where the government uh, of Portland sent out letters to the area poker rooms saying that designated dealers were not allowed under state law. Now, it was already uh, in law that uh, six years ago that said that poker dealers could not earn wages. So they couldn't pay them an hourly rate. Uh, they were working strictly on tips, and I guess still the pay was pretty good. So um, the city let this go for several years, but then uh, uh, decided to kind of press the issue. And uh, there was a potential class action lawsuit on behalf of some of the dealers. So the Department of Labor in Oregon uh, stepped in. And uh, what happens now is that players in the game must deal themselves because dealers cannot be either employees or volunteers. Uh, so that's in content. Uh, that's the state stance is even in conflict with what Portland was saying. So, um, you know, having the deck rotate around the t- table can only slow the game down. What are your thoughts, basically, on this whole situation out there? First of all, I would love to know uh, whose mind it was that came up with this idiotic idea of having real casinos not have an employee of the casino to make sure the game is run properly, you know, on the up and up, that it's dealt competently. You know, it, it just it blows my mind that, you know, that, that, that a law like this, that someone would have thought of this. I mean, listen, you're in a house game. Yes, you're in a house game. Everybody takes a turn dealing. You know, I grew up doing that, Dave. I'm sure you did, too. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you were playing back when you were a kid or in high school or even college, you know, that's what you did. But in a casino, you want a professional. You want somebody there who knows what they're doing. A lot more money is, I'm sure, involved than it was when we were younger and playing in those house games. But it just makes no sense. Why would you deprive somebody of a chance of earning a living and a good living at that? Uh, Supposedly, it was a great situation before that out there. Uh, Some of the people said uh, that unlike Vegas or Atlantic City, the skill level of players in Portland was mediocre, increasing the odds that skilled players could could make a living. So, um, you know, the the players that uh, did play for a living really found it to be kind of a paradise for poker out there for many years. And uh, basically, the uh, co-director of a political action committee called Save Oregon Poker says that, uh, you know, the Portland dealers, even just playing on tips, were making about $14 an hour, uh, which is, you can make a living that's, doing that. It's not great, but... That's, t- that's terrible down here, to Well, be for here it you. is, yeah. No, I agree, but uh, it said uh, that the because of this now, the, this ruling, that it's very like, likely that the poker industry will disappear completely in the state. Yeah, and once again, some some complete moronic idiot out there who just doesn't agree with gambling, has come forth with this idea and probably re- you know, researched the law books just to find out this archaic uh, language that was probably put in for something other than what it's intended for now and uh, has decided to press the issue. And it's, you know, again, very ridiculous. I don't know how the poker players, the casino community out there, I don't know what, what kind of money that generates in their rooms out there, Dave. But as we know, down here in Florida... You know that that's you know 
pretty pretty significant money down here when you're talking about some rooms making eleven, twelve, thirteen million dollars a year just from their poker room, which is you know, which is really crazy money to be making. You don't see that outside right. of maybe California and places like that because Vegas doesn't have that. Well, Vetter's comment also was, uh, it makes no sense to allow an activity to thrive for five or six years, then suddenly decide the rules are different or that they're going to be enforced. So uh, <clears throat> there was a poker club out there called Encore that, that closed the, the day after these letters went out. So, uh, you know, it had an effect, and, and I don't know if it's as a result, but the owner uh, just so happened died a few <laughs> a few weeks later, was very despondent, and uh and end up passing away, so that club will never reopen. Apparently, well, think about the you know the, the 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 time, the money, the effort that's put in to putting a successful room. That knowing, you know, listen, as an owner of these rooms, you know, you're responsible for a lot of people making their their livelihood out of out of your business. And I'm not just talking the poker players. You know, we're we're talking about you know cocktail waitresses. I'm sure they serve food there, valet right. oh, parkers. You know, a lot of people are affected by this, not just the dealers, not to mention the players who, like you said, some were making a living at this, some were just, this is this is their time to enjoy themselves. And again, like you mentioned in, in, in what you just said now, that, that you know, for five, six, seven years they decided not to, to enforce whatever archaic rule they have in, in place. Somebody has to explain that. Somebody, somebody has to explain that to these people who are losing income and to the other people who are losing a place to go and enjoy themselves. Right, exactly. Well, we know that there's been rules kind of protecting the, uh, the brick-and-mortar casinos in Washington because they uh, uh, made it illegal to play online in Washington. And, uh, you know, there's always been some problems out there. But you look at different places and you see... Uh, you know, you see the legal online play in Nevada and uh, Delaware, New, New Jersey. Uh, you see places that have plenty of Indian, Indian casinos. You see a place like Michigan where they had these charity rooms that all of a sudden there's a crackdown there. And then you see places where they're like raiding. Police are raiding poker games, places like Arizona, South Carolina, Kansas. Uh, you know, they, why they can't we just get together and decide that people should be allowed to spend their money the way they want to, really? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, it's really ridiculous, you know, the wasting, you know, the efforts of policemen in, in trying to do, you know, trying to get to enforce stupid rules for games that are that, you know, people are choosing to attend of their own free will are enjoying themselves not creating any any issues in the city, you know, uh, in the environment. It, it, again, it, it 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 amazes me. Maybe that's why this election was the way it was, yeah. <laughs> because you've got so many different-minded people when it comes to this that it polarizes itself into yes or no, and 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 we're in the you know the hell with everything else. We're gonna we're gonna keep button heads and, until we put you in the ground. Okay. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, interesting story about uh, tweaks to the World Series of Poker that could prevent uh, these all-nighters like we saw this time. Uh, very interesting. And also I had a quick article I wanted to look at about mixed games. So uh, we'll save that for after the break. Uh, but we do want to tell you about uh, Gulfstream Park. They had a huge Breeders' Cup watch party last weekend. Of course, the Breeders' Cup was uh, contested out at Santa Anita. And uh, they simulcasted uh, the live program over at uh, Gulfstream Park West, 
uh, as well. So uh, plenty of racing over there for the weekend, and uh, the poker room, from what I hear, was absolutely packed. Uh, they had some great stuff, some great uh, stakes races over at Gulfstream West. And then, of course, uh, throughout the day, the Breeders' Cup is always uh, a series of great races, not for just one, but also for two days. Um, they had spin and win uh, drawings over there on the races, and the great Breeders' Cup uh, buffet gave out Breeders' Cup hat for those that bought uh, Gulfstream Handicapper or uh, Daily Racing Form. So w- a really great weekend over there, and we can expect more of that once the uh, – Racing season rolls around December 3rd. There'll be plenty of stuff going on. Looking forward to the breakfast at Gulfstream, hopefully once again, where you can take the family over there, have a great time, uh, go early in the morning. They serve a breakfast. Uh, they charge for adults but not for children. And then they take a tram over to the backside, and you can see uh, what goes on behind the racetrack. So uh, really a, a place for entertainment for the whole family in South Florida, and we hope you'll check that out this winter as uh, great stuff comes back there. Uh, beginning on December 3rd. The Poker Room, located in the Finish Line Casino on the first floor. Uh, great stuff. Uh, plenty of uh, good tournaments, good good workers, uh, you know, good, nice people working there. So it's always a, a laid-back atmosphere and a lot of fun. Of course, uh, it's easy to find here in South Florida. Pegasus, a 110-foot bronze uh, statue of uh, Pegasus uh, frolicking with the dragons outside. I <laughs> uh, don't know exactly where to do that, but I read today that that costs $30 million to build. Oh, my God. And uh, really doesn't seem to be uh, any kind of major purpose to it. But, uh, hey, Frank well, Stronach. It, it uh, gets us talking about no, it. No, exactly. And it's a, it is a landmark in South Florida now. So uh, that will eventually direct you to the racetrack in the area. Located on Federal Highway and Hallandale Beach Boulevard, in Hallandale Beach, uh, very easy to get to off 95. You head east toward the beaches, and you hit the Pegasus, and you're right there. Of course, they have also dining and shopping out front in the village of Gulfstream Park. Plenty of things to do there. Uh, future, there will be uh, hotels and a lot more stuff to build, a lot of land in a great part of town. And, uh, you know, things continue to get better and better at Gulfstream Park. We, head, we invite you to head on over there if you need any information about poker. Give them a call at 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. 
The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Final segment of the program, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line. Uh, now that the uh, November 9 is over, and I want to talk about that in just a second, uh, but uh, now that that's over and kind of uh, seems like almost the end of the year, of course there's still some things going on, and then January kicks off a whole other year of great poker events, but still a lot of stuff here in South Florida. But uh, as far as uh, putting together some guests and stuff, over the next couple of weeks when we go to some of these big tournaments, we'll try to line up some stuff for you. also have a couple of books that uh, I was sent in the mail that I haven't had a chance to read that I'm looking forward to. Alex Fitzgerald is an author that uh, has a very interesting book out, and we are going to work on lining him up, uh, maybe a couple other uh, authors that uh, have written extensively. We're going to, as I keep promising, uh, we'll uh, try to line up Mr. Miller. Yeah, that's... That's the one that that's one show I know I'm not going to miss Ed Miller. Ed Miller, right? So I, I enjoy his columns big time in the, in the Card Player and in the, the, all the different. It, it, have you ever gone back and read some of his old, yeah, old stuff? It's oh, just absolutely. so wonderful to yeah. keep reading that into the, into till now. His new book, The Course, is uh, one that I'm sure he'd like to talk about. Of course, Jonathan Little and Alec Torelli are two guys that I love to have on. Uh, do a lot of teaching online. And uh, there's really a, a burgeoning industry of uh, poker instruction for some of these guys. It used to be only card runners was the place you, you went to learn about poker. But these guys are doing a great job. Rep Porter had his site, and, of course, we'll have him back on the show and, again. And, and Rep won a bracelet this past Absolutely. summer. So. Absolutely. Uh, Roy Cook is a guy that we need to pursue. I've uh, enjoyed reading time. him. I know He's actually have. the main reason that I got into card player, and I'm talking 20-plus years ago. You know, when I started reading it, I loved reading Roy Cook's article, and I wish I could remember the name of the gentleman. Uh, he passed away way too young, but uh, before we had the ESPN coverage of uh, of the main event, he would he would every you know every two weeks you'd read his articles on the main event, and they were outstanding. And please forgive me for not remembering his name at this moment. Right, exactly. Um, okay, um, let's talk a little bit about the. Uh the all-night situation of the uh, November 9 this year, of course, 182 hands of heads-up play. You just can't predict that. Uh, you know, they had it set up the way they wanted to, but this event went on and on. And as I mentioned last week, uh, I went to bed. I wanted to see who was going to win. 
woke up uh, for an early trip uh, out of town at 4 in the morning, turned on the set, and they were still playing. You know, I, I expected it to be over long before that. But they finally finished at, uh, I think it was 6, 6.45 Eastern time. Eastern time, right, close to 3 o'clock their time. It was after 3 o'clock, 3.45, closer to 4. So it's just something that you can't predict. But, uh, you know, when things like that happen, uh, you know, people will go back and take a look at uh, ways to fix that. And uh, How do you fix it? Well, though? it's not a perfect scenario, but an uh, interesting article by James Gill uh, and said talked about certain things. There was really five points that he made on how maybe you can uh, do some things to make the program I, better. I, yeah, there's a, you know, the, was, was a clock one of them? Was a clock one of them that he well, suggested? Well, what, what he said was that the pace of play was so much better this year than it was last year, that it was so much easier to watch. And that's... Uh, you know, uh, just the fact that these players were all different types of players. Of course, William Kasouf didn't make the final table. That helped as far as uh, delays and uh, yeah. stretching things out. Last year's V. Stern was the guy who really held up the action unbelievably. But that was in day one. They got, so, like I told you, I didn't start watching it till day two because of a commitment I had on day one last year. And I don't know what was said to him, but he definitely was not tanking or taking a long time making decisions on day two. So right. short of short of pulling these people's ears, so to speak, and telling them, hey, listen, you better move on this. I don't know how, how you speed up the play. Well, I know that they actually had some graphics on the program, which I saw, and I, unfortunately I didn't write it down. But I, it was something unbelievable that, uh, especially Gordon Veo, who acts quickly, also uh, Josephy plays very quickly. Uh, the average time was something like 13 seconds to make a decision, which is great. Which, which is wonderful. You can watch the, the you can watch live poker when it's when it's like that, and you know that every now and then you're going to have a decision where you know uh, Veo took uh, what was it almost seven minutes before he made a great laydown. Right. Okay. That's understandable. That actually. That kind of adds to the to the excitement of the thing because you know if he makes that call he's gonna right. he's done. But so, so occasionally that's fine, but but even that that brings up the average, and still the average was 13 seconds, I think. You, you know, know, with so that involved, with that involved, that that's absolutely wonderful. If they could do that, fine. Now you said he had a thing for tweaking the seven and a half hour heads up, but that that's what I'm interested in hearing. A lot of people said that the first night of action was they felt was really pretty dull. Uh, I mentioned how long it took to knock out, start knocking out players. Um, Fernando Pons, I think, played 16 hands before he got knocked out, but then all of a sudden it was quite a, a big difference with the other well, players. People do realize there's, I mean, even though the first three jumps, it isn't that large in, in, in cash amounts, you know, right. compared to what they had gotten before they went on break. But yeah, Jerry, Jerry. Uh, Wong only made a hundred thousand. Right, it pounds. used to be a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar jump. You know, you could understand that. So yeah, the beginning of this tournament should have a lot more action involved in it. Right. Anyway, his point was that maybe they should just televise the final five uh, on as far as uh, ESPN goes. Uh, they could do some streaming or something for the earlier players, but and he's not really suggesting that the final table be seven or even five-handed, but he said maybe pick up the action in the final five would, would make the entire experience a little bit better for poker fans. That could. That definitely could make a difference there, but then you could be missing out on some great hands played out before that. But, uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that 
doing being something that would make it very interesting. People tuning in with five players left. I guess he didn't want to mention six, so it's not copycat of the WPT. But, but yeah, that 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 seems like it could be very interesting. Uh, he also uh, criticized Antonio Esfandiari, said that maybe it's time for him to go. Uh, Lon McCarron did his uh, great job, usual. Norman Chad, uh, you know, some of the jokes are a little corny sometimes, but uh, he seems to be, uh, you know, necessary did, as a part of the broadcast. Does he mention why he didn't like Antonio? Well, he I says Antonio was great the year before. He says maybe he's just getting tired of some of those jokes, or or he's looking for a different perspective from the pro. He seems he seems to feel that. Uh, you get the same thing. He suggests maybe some younger guys like Jason Somerville or Nick Schulman maybe would be a better fit. Um, so he said, uh, you know, well, well, just like to switch it up from year to year. I, you know, again, I haven't heard all these guys constantly speaking, but do they have the personality to be, uh, you know, a commentator? Yeah, those like guys are both you? very good. Yeah? Both very good. Excellent. Well, then maybe that's time that we go to it. I mean, you know. The oldest was Josephy at 50, right? Last year we had two players that were, you know, in their 60s. But prior to that, it's been mostly, uh, you know, people in their 20s, maybe even early 30s. Right. So maybe it is time we get a younger, you know, you know, color commentator out there. Yeah. He says also, he said, uh, as they do on the uh, the show, the Tuesday night shows, or actually this year it was the Sunday night shows, uh, that lead up to the final table. Uh, they have those uh, segments that they throw in the interesting uh, human interest stories that you don't get that in the uh, in the November nine final table. It's just straight play throughout, and and it's very hard to break it. Of course, they do go to the uh, uh, the commentators uh, review some hands and that sort of thing. But he said uh, some more of the social. Uh, pieces on the players would have been a little bit better and include some of that. And uh, I can't disagree To make with it that. interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, again, did not paying attention to that, but I thought that was something they really would have done, you know, especially if, even even if it's after they get eliminated, you know, you kind of do like a montage to right. them, you know, as to everything that they did building up to that moment. And then if anything significant occurred before they got knocked out, well, they did, they did try to put together some of that. I guess there's always going to be criticism for people who don't realize how much work goes into putting those things together. Yeah, I guess so. But, uh, you know, this this is a big part of uh, ESPN's broadcasting thing outside of, quote, the traditional sports. Uh, and it's something that has enticed a lot of us. I mean, I used to enjoy them doing Whatever they did prior to leading up to the main event used to be very enjoyable for me. They no longer do that, so you know I, they could probably put the time into that or, or work out something with the WSOP. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing that can't be structured really is the head-to-head play and how long that's going to take. Uh, you know, it can well, last uh, five hands or it can last 500 well, hands. Well, let me ask you something, Dave. How'd you like to go 24 hours nonstop working very hard, knowing that at the end of that 24 hours you're going to get an extra three million dollars yeah, than what true. you were? So seven and a half hours doesn't seem like a whole lot of time uh, to to try to earn an additional three million dollars. Uh, and in essence, that's what these guys are fighting for. Yeah, you know, we, we lose track of that. We're bored because it's not moving along. And this particular tournament, from what I've read and, and some of what I saw. It kind of the chips just kept kind of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you know it, it, 
it gets very hard for you to just make a silly decision knowing that $3 million, close to $3 million is on the line. Well, I think a lot of people also have uh, said that the November 9 concept has run its course, that maybe they should wait a week. They Do should you think so? Yeah. I was one of the ones I, against it from the get-go. Yeah. And I think the build-up makes it that much more interesting, to be honest it with you. It is interesting. Three months is a long time. I know that... Uh, it's actually almost, well, three and a half months, to be honest with right. you, almost four months. Yeah. But the build-up... Now, they could use that time. You know, I think the WSOP is missing out on, on getting promotional some time. promotional dollars that they could get for this. And, you know, having these guys tour, maybe play, you know, a three-hour little tournament in different poker cities around the country, right. around the world. That's a great idea. To try to, you know, entice people to pick a favorite. You know, oh, this is my guy right here. You know, th- th- there's a lot of ways for you to be able to promote this. You know, granted, it is three and a half to four months of these people's lives. But, hey, they're getting a million dollars. I'm sure if you paid them another half million just to do a promotional tour for four months, most of them would be up to it. Outside of top pros who are, you know, getting whatever it is that they're getting, you have a chance to brand this so well that the anticipation, you'll have people, you know, foaming at the mouth waiting for this to take place. Right. So, well, they should, the other, they the other think thi- about that. The other thing that's out of their control that uh, I think would, you know, change people's outlook on this thing entirely is just getting lucky and getting a well-known player that is very interesting at the final table. We almost had it last year with Negreanu, right. uh, finishing in 11th place. You know, a Helmuth certainly is always exciting, Mike Matisau. There's, there, there's players out there that if they just happen to get to the final table would increase the interest so much. Jason Somerville. But that's um, out of our control, it is. Dave. That's it out is. of our control. Listen, look how hard it is for these top guys. You know, And in the past, we've had the grinder at the final table. You well, know. the grinder is always interesting. Uh, maybe uh, get a woman or two women would would really well, be exciting. Let's, let's and get the draw. let's get the first one in. I don't know how many years. Yeah. <laughs> first one ever since the fields have grown up to this. I mean, we we came close when a few years ago when yeah, um, Gail Bowman, Gail and, Bowman, uh, and uh, you'll forgive Elizabeth me, Hill. And, that they finished eleventh t- and tenth. We almost had two women in there. I mean, like I said, no matter who gets in there, usually you're going to have one or two interesting characters in there. Hopefully, you'll have four or five of them. And they just need to find a better way of marketing these guys leading up to the final event, you know. Whether they take a month off and then start building that that, that excitement towards the end of August and, and just, hey, September, or, you know, the September and October, you're just blitzing, you know, the poker world at, you know, whether it's with all nine of them, with three or four of them. Build it up so people go, oh, I can't wait to watch this thing. It's going to be streaming on a half-hour delay. Can't wait to watch this. And then eventually, what uh, the global people wanted to do with the Cube, you know, right. get something where now we're watching it in real time. It would, would make it that much more interesting, too, that we're watching it in real time. Right. When there's a t- five-minute break, people could go out, discuss whatever they want with their fa- you're back in the You're back in the Cube, no more talking. No more nothing. It's just you got to get it done. Right. People get eliminated. You come out. I mean, there's a lot of ways to brand this that I think would make it so much more interesting for viewers. Okay. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about was uh, an article that I read about mixed games. Uh, we continue to see them uh, flourish but not take over like I thought it would be by this point. Uh, you know, I played in the horse tournament several times up at Palm Beach and uh, I was hoping to do that again this year, but they are not having a horse tournament as one of the ring events this time. 
Uh, maybe in February they might again. We'll see what happens. But I uh, read an interesting article about things that you need to learn about mixed games if you're not familiar with them. Uh, the first one is to concentrate on stud uh, and the variance of stud because three out of the five games in horse are stud games. Yeah, yeah. well, Raz is the reverse stud right, game. Right, but it is a stud game. Uh, a lot of people have never played that, and you also have to realize that because of that and because of the limit nature of a lot of the games and mixed games, that they're much slower, so you need to prepare yourself for that as well. Also, you know, most, most mixed games, there's no no limit. That's what I'm talking about. You know, so, yeah, so, you know, you, the dynamics change greatly from no limit to limit and how you play these games out. Of course, so. there's the extra round of betting. Also, yeah. uh, some of the strategy, including squeezing and some of that stuff, uh, can make those games a little bit longer. Uh, the other thing you need to, uh, to learn is that uh, you're not going to take a player's stack because of the limit nature, so you need to concentrate on winning pots. Uh, you know, the, they may be smaller and you need to win more of them, but you're not going to uh, play for all of another player's stack. That's just not Not happen. early on, but as the tournament goes on, you're in well, essence true. playing. True. You're playing for stacks because, you know, the, the, the betting structure gets so big that there is no longer any play. As, uh, you know, that, that changes big time also there. Now, if you commit to one hand, one pot, you're practically committing your whole stack. So also be careful about losing big pots because you need to win so much many more to make that uh, money yep. back. Yep. Uh, also, he mentions, uh, the author of this says, learn one variant at a time rather than overload yourself with knowledge. The, uh, the reason is that, uh, you know, you'll have a separate strategy for different games, and to, in order not to confuse yourself, you need to kind of learn them one at a time. So a lot of people aren't, aren't familiar with some of the in the in the big games like triple seven low ball and some of those other things. Uh, you need to build your knowledge slowly. And it and it becomes very difficult, Dave, when no one is and when you're not playing those games individually like you would Hold'em or Omaha. You know, you and I both enjoy. I love playing Ras, but I played Ras online and played it at eight sixteen at different levels of price. I enjoyed the heck out of that. Once, uh, I believe it was Full Tilt or, or, uh, or not Party Poker, or Poker Stars, you know, got out, you know, I don't see it, I don't see it being, you know, offered in a lot of places. Right. And forget about the brick and mortar. So, yeah, I can understand that the growth of mixed games has not been to the level that a lot of people anticipated it would be because most poker players don't get the opportunity to play those games that are in horse or even in the eight mix games, right. you know. So how are you going to invest some money into a tournament when, okay, I, I, I consider myself to be pretty good at two or three of these games, and the other ones, it's, it's potluck, you know, you, you, you don't feel comfortable. Right. And then all you're saying, wow, you know, half of the games, I don't know how to really play that well. Why am I going to enter this tournament? Well, that's why he mentions as a final point that uh, don't be a specialist in any particular game or games. Uh, you need to learn them all. Now, while he said learn them one at a time and build your knowledge uh, to encompass so. everything, uh, if you uh, become a specialist, then you know players are going to take advantage of you in the games that you're obviously not comfortable in. So this is one where they say be a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. Yeah, huh? exactly. <laughs> uh, it does take time to learn these games. Again, uh, you know, I, I thought that, that they would be on a higher level as far as uh, demand. 
than they have in the last couple of years, but uh, still, that's still something that could happen. And it's a good point for people who are learning uh, No Limit Hold'em and learning these games is to maybe uh, concentrate on a game that is not as popular and, and find your niche uh, before the, it explodes because it definitely has a chance that that's going to happen. Yep, excellent. Well, listen, I love I love the mixed games. I grew up playing seven-card stud. I, I learned to love Raz once I learned the I concept of it. Uh, and again, as I've said for many years doing this show, I'm still not a big fan of Omaha because because I'm not comfortable at it. People people have taken me out of my comfort zone there, and I'm not willing to risk the amount of money and the time that I, that it takes for me to really get to enjoy that game. And I'm seeing some crazy pots now where I'm dealing at Dania. I mean, the other day there was a twenty-something thousand dollar pot with four people going all in for about four or five thousand each, and yeah, I'm looking at the hands they went in with, and I'm thinking, how the heck did these guys four put or five thousand each? Each, each, each. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy game. You know, it's a private PLO game that they have going there, uh, and it's and I'm telling you, you know, pushing six, seven thousand pots is nothing. Is it more pressure to deal a game like that for you? Yeah, the first time because I remember I hadn't dealt, I hadn't actually sat in a box and dealt a game like that, so it just took a little bit, of, you know, just. For me, I I never looked at dealing any card games uh, as pressure for me. Yeah. It, the, the dollar amount, it's just you know, it, it's the same as a a thousand dollar chip is the same as a one dollar chip. It just has a few more zeros on it. That's all. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. It's pretty interesting. I'm uh, tried to catch you over there the other day, and you had uh, already gone home. But I would definitely. Uh, Consider it a privilege to play at you one of your tables. You get to see me in a shirt and tie if you come by on a Sunday or Monday night. Now, yeah, just to play at one of your tables would be a thrill for me. Excellent, sir. We'll do that uh, over the next few weeks, and we'll do another show for you next week. Uh, thanks for being with us on this one. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Donald Trump is our pl- president-elect. We'll find out if he uh, um, continues to drive the world away from us or, or decides to come through and uh, solve some of the problems in the world today. We'll see what happens. Uh, financially, will he make your life better? I don't know. We'll see what happens with that as well. I, I just want to hear one thing. The first person he gets rid of, I want to know if he goes, you're fired. <laughs> I, 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 I want to see when he finally realizes that the ridiculousness of building this wall is uh, just something that's not going to happen. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, we'll see. We don't want to get into that too much, but... Stuff still, still to be seen over the next few years. January 20th, he uh, takes over as President of the United States. And uh, 2017 should be a very interesting year, to say the least. <laughs> we'll catch you on another edition of the show next week. Thanks for being with us. Gio, thank you for all your work as well. And Joe, thank you. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 